0: welcome to average joe rock and roll i am michael j rock and i am joined today by guitar extraordinaire jimmy bell who is currently an autograph demons down in house of lords um jimmy how are you
1: good great to see you again michael yeah yeah. uh it's a real pleasure this is a, a treat for me considering the i mean the amazing conversation that we struck up at uh the airport that time it was just great we just kind of started chatting and it was a, a wonderful experience it really was
0: yeah it's uh you know it was it was kind of uh it was kind of a surreal experience for me because I've been a, a music fan since I you know first heard music and um you know started real young my mom was into uh you know a lot of the 70s pop stuff uh Carole King um James Taylor a lot of that stuff and that's how I started listening and liking and then you know in the 80s I discovered some heavier stuff um so it was real surreal for me to connect with you at the airport um and you actually uh, struck up a conversation with my wife and I um we, yeah. didn- we didn't start talking to you you started talking to us and it just uh it just clicked instantly um so once when you took off uh, we still had a couple couple hours left in the airport when you took off uh, I got on the phone and I just started looking stuff up and um, I sense have watched a lot of interviews, I sensed have uh, watched a lot of music videos. Um, and a couple mm-hmm. things that I learned about you is number one, um, you're super nice and super humbled, um, and number two, um, you're a monster on guitar. Like, you know, when people talk about monsters on guitar, you know, the names, you know, Zach Wild come up, uh, Steve Vai, um, Eddie Van Halen, uh, Nita Strauss, Ingve your your name is not in that mix and it should be because you're, you're right up there i mean you're some of the some of the shredding and some of the solos that you do are second to none
1: well oh, i appreciate that well you know it's kind of funny i mean uh we talked about you know uh so much stuff at the airport but we you know we did i did tell you about the ozzy because that was i was second for ozzy it was it got down between uh back in 1986 it got down to me and, um, me and Zach wild. And it's funny, the shirt that you're wearing right now, "Join forces, I was in that band at the time. And, uh, we, I, it was uh, on a Wednesday, I got a phone call. I was endorsed by this huge guitar company, uh, Kramer guitars. I didn't have a record deal at the time, but the president of Kramer, which was, uh, they, they did Eddie Van Halen, uh, you know uh the Paul Dean Loverboy Richard uh Richie Sambora you know Bon Jovi they had all these massive artists uh under their wing and they were right in New Jersey uh but the president just loved the way I play he saw me play one time and uh so i i got a phone call from him and uh he says jimmy he says uh uh jake jake lee has is out of Ozzy, and they're auditioning guitarists. And he says, uh, we sent your video and Sharon Osbourne really loves it. And she, they're, they want to fly you out. And I just said, okay. I said, I said, Oh my God, this is great. So, uh, I said, When what am I going next week? And they said, no, today, you got to leave right now. There's a ticket for you at the airport. <laughs> So I had to get to the airport. I couldn't even tell the guys in the band I was going to audition. I didn't want to cause any problems. Um, Because I was just supposed to go there, audition uh, uh, on on, uh, Wednesday night and possibly be back Thursday or Friday. And then I had a gig with Joint Forces on Saturday. Um, But uh, when I got there, uh, I played with uh, Phil, Suzanne and uh, Randy Castile the drummer and Sharon Osbourne sat there while I I auditioned uh cuz I you, you didn't audition with Ozzy at sure. the time yeah uh, you know cuz there was like 500 people that that uh, that did this and Ozzy wasn't going to sit through all that uh so I did that and uh and usually Sharon d- didn't sit there either but she wanted to see if uh if I was a waste of plane ticket that she just paid for uh but uh uh, she loved it. And uh, I did really well. And then uh, she says, I'm, I'm keeping you. And uh, tomorrow you're going to play with Ozzy. So um, the next day came and I go to this other uh, rehearsal studio that had a big stage. And um, it's kind of a place where bands would rehearse before they go out on tour. You know, you could, you know, big rigs and everything. Uh, so we did that. And um So Ozzy came in, I met Ozzy, you know, I tell, I tell everybody that it's really strange. You see, you see Ozzy in magazines, TV, you know, whatever, and videos, but nothing is the same. It's nothing like when Ozzy's staring at you face to face, it's really different. You know, it's a whole different experience. And this is when he had just shaved his head that, that time. And he had gotten that big, uh, demon or whatever it is on his uh upper chest there um the tattoo so it was great he came in and uh i i played like you know five songs and right i started off with i don't know from uh you know the early days with randy and uh as soon as i started playing i had a really good groove going with the band and Ozzy started doing that thing where he's rocking with his microphone like that. Awesome. And then when the solo came up, he got down in front of the uh, amplifier and uh, was, re- you know, I was, he was listening to me play. And uh, it, it was, it was great. I did a little bit of a guitar. solo. then at the end, uh, Sharon and Ozzy sat down with me and they said, it's between me and Zach Wild. And then they took me out to dinner, which was great. I went to this real expensive restaurant with them, like um, a place where Ozzy really should (laughs) really, uh, you know, a place where you you wouldn't see Ozzy or or Rockers normally. It was all business people, you know, probably doctors, lawyers, you know, uh, surgeons. I mean, it was so funny walking into this place. Um, But um, I remember Ozzy was a little tipsy, a little bit, you know, back then. Uh, so, um, uh, he had, uh, I not I even offered him my cherry tomatoes that were in my salad. I didn't eat them at the time and he didn't want them. And I turned my head and was talking to, uh, Randy Castile. The next thing I know, I saw uh, Ozzie's hand go into my salad and start picking out the tomatoes <laughs> out of my salad, which is pretty funny. Sharon got him out of there
0: yeah.
1: and back to the, uh, his hotel. And uh I went over to the hotel afterwards, after dinner with the guys. And um I met the uh the oldest daughter, Amy, and she wasn't the one that wasn't in the Osborne TV show, the one that didn't want to have anything to do with it. And Amy was a baby at the time. So uh, I remember being in, in the living room with Oz, you know, with Ozzy and Amy. And uh Amy's sitting on Ozzy's lap and he's bouncing her. And then uh they had MTV on. And this is this is great. So uh, they're watching MTV, and this is when MTV played videos, because it's the 80s. Uh, all of a sudden, Black Sabbath paranoid comes on, and Ozzy's going, you know, look, Amy, it's daddy, it's daddy, you know, and he's bouncing her, you know, it was it was a great experience. And I went out to the Troubadour with the guys and everything. But um so the next day I was on a plane home. They never called me to say that I didn't uh uh get the audition. But you gotta remember Zach, you know, didn't look the way Zach does now. He looked like a he was really clean cut. Yeah, I remember. Uh,
0: yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. And he played a Les Paul like Randy Rhodes. Um, you know, he was he's he's about uh I think he's eight years younger than me. Um So I don't know if that had anything to do with it. I even had somebody tell me that uh, maybe they decided not to go with me because I was left-handed. And Tony Iommi was left-handed and Ozzy and Tony at that time hated each other, you know, because that's when the whole split just happened. And so uh, it could have been something as strange as that. But, uh, you know, it's one of those things, you know
0: so I, I, you know, I, we, we touched on this at the airport and, um, you know, and I, I, I reflected on that a little bit and, you know, I, am I'm, I'm a big fan of, you know, a lot, a lot of the earlier Ozzy albums, um, starting with Blizzard of Oz going up through probably, uh, No More Tears and I get a little bit lost after that. Um, yeah. it's like the, you know, the, uh, Randy Rhodes, Jakey e. Lee, uh, Zach Wild years. And, you know, I love all those albums, love the Zach Wild albums, you know, and I, and after watching and seeing the stuff that you've done, you know, I, I just in my in my head, I'm I'm super curious to to see what that would have sounded like if you had been in the band and been, you know, a, a driving force like Zach Wilde was, because obviously it wouldn't be the same songs. It would have sounded different. Um, but I, I would imagine that I would be saying right now, I'm a big fan of the Randy Rhodes years, the Jakey e. Lee
1: years and the Jimmy Bell years. Oh uh, Yeah, that was that, w- that would have been a great experience you know I ended up Sharon Sharon really liked the way I played regardless of what happened so uh Geezer Butler from Black Sabbath was looking for uh to do a new band so she sent my video the next thing I know you know I was really I was really heartbroken when I found out about Ozzy, you know because I you know they didn't call I just found out uh about them taking Zach. Uh, so my, you know, that, that put me in a, a very bad depression, but, uh, you know, I had to move on. And one day I, my, my phone rings and I pick it up and there's this English gentleman on the, uh, on the other line. And he says, is this Jimmy? Uh, and I said, yes. And he says, this is, uh, this is Terry, uh, Terry Butler. He says, I'm, I'm doing a new project. And, uh, Uh, he says, I've put, uh, you know, uh, Sharon had given me your videotape, Sharon Osborne, And I, I'd like to have you come, you know, fly you over, uh, and get together and see what we can come up with. And I'm, I'm going Terry, Terrence Butler. I go, what that name I go. And then all of a sudden I go, Oh my God, this is geezer Butler from black Sabbath. I go, you know, because I'm a huge, I was a huge fan of, of his playing, especially, I mean, I love Black Sabbath. But when you listen to a Black Sabbath song, like even just the other day, War Pigs came on the radio, and if you listen to the bass that Geezer's playing throughout the throughout those songs, he's all over the place playing these incredible bass lines. So, I, and I always thought the world of him. So when uh, that phone call really perked me up like crazy. So I went to St. Louis. He had a home in St. Louis. I think his wife Gloria had family there, I believe. Um, and then they had a house in Birmingham. Uh, so I went to St. Louis first, uh flew back, and then I went, was uh, then I was on my first trip overseas to uh England. I went to uh I went over to uh was picked up in London brought to a beautiful hotel and we started rehearsing, uh, some stuff over there. So
0: did you, did you do any recording with uh geezer
1: or did Yeah, you... I did oh. a bunch of stuff. I did, uh, uh, we, we, there's uh if you go on YouTube, you could actually see, um, uh, live, uh, videos of me with, with geezer, um, uh, playing, uh, sorry, my, someone's calling me, it'll go away in a minute. Um, uh, you could actually see uh, just a couple uh studio videos of me performing with geezer um over in in England there's a couple songs um so uh let me see if I can get you back to where are you there yep. there we go gotcha. yeah okay uh and um uh I gotta tell you who that was that was it, it, this is the weirdest thing. That, that's my buddy, Sean Clush. It just called, it. just so you know, Sean Clush is like the number one Elvis tribute guy in the world. He's endorsed by Graceland and I'm really good friends with him. And you would think he's Elvis. He's over in London, uh, over in England doing three sold out shows right now. So he, he was FaceTiming me from, uh, from England. Just funny as hell. Um, but anyway, so, um, yeah i uh I read just a couple videos on there and then I was doing uh one day I was in the studio we moved studios over into uh a place just uh, outside of Brighton it was an old english air Force base and uh we started rehearsing there and geezer walks in and says hey uh do you do you have a have you written anything uh you got anything that's kind of similar to a black sabbath song because geezer wanted to do something lighter he wanted it heavy, but with keyboard. He was trying something different. He, he was trying to do heavy, but keyboards a little bit more melodic. So I said, well, actually, I, I do have a song that's kind of like a Black Sabbath song. I said, I just I just wrote it. Uh, so I played him all the music for it. And I said, I actually have a, a title. I said, I, uh, I said, I don't write lyrics, but this title popped into my head. And he said, well, what's the title? And I said, Master of Insanity. So he says, I like that. And, and uh, uh, we recorded the song. And Giza wrote all these lyrics off of what I gave him, the title that I gave him. So anyways, we get signed to a deal. And this is typical of music insanity. We get signed. We do a showcase. We get signed. I come back home and I get a phone call from Giza's wife. She goes, Jimmy, I have some bad news. Um, She goes, uh, the person that signed you I, I can't remember what label it was I think it was MCA I want to say I don't I don't know or remember exactly um anyway, he got caught doing something I don't know what it was something with money or you know whatever he got fired all his projects got fired any of his new signings got fired so the whole thing got tanked so geezer ends up uh, going out and playing bass for Ozzy for a little bit on uh, on an Ozzy tour. Next thing I know, 1992, you you hear rumors of Black Sabbath getting back together with Ronnie Dio. Uh, I get a phone call from uh, Geezer's wife, uh, Gloria. She goes, Jimmy. She goes, How you doing? I go, Well, well. she goes, I have some wonderful news. She goes. Um, as you know, Black Sabbath's getting back together with Ronnie Dio. And she goes, we're going to use your song, Master of Insanity, on the record. And I was like thrilled. You know, I was going, you know, I was saying, oh my God, a song I wrote is going to be on a Black Sabbath record. And she goes, but we have one problem. She goes, we can't give you songwriting credit because Tony Iommi would never allow a song from another guitar player on a Black Sabbath record. We have to say Giza wrote it. However, uh, Giza will have your name in his special thanks, uh, which it is there, and we will pay you for the song at the end of the tour. So, what was I going to do? I, you know, I was in no position to say, you know, I'm going to fight this or anything, you know, or you know, it's yeah, it's one of those things.
0: Lot to be in, yeah, for sure.
1: I don't want to cause problems either. You know, these are, these are big people. You don't, that's the one thing you don't want to do. You don't want to make waves with people that are like that. Um, even though when it's not right, it's still, sometimes you have to take the higher road.
0: I, 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 um, stuff uh, from uh, early Aussie with Bob Daisley. Yeah. Same same thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Exact same thing. So as it turns out, um, I, um, I uh, I let the song you know I, I the record comes out the song gets but the song I wrote gets met, mentioned in in a lot of the reviews as being one of the better songs on the record, which did my heart good. and they actually played the song live. In other words, it was in their set. It wasn't like a like just a filler song for the record. It was good enough to make their live show. So they ended up, uh, you know, I went and saw him a couple times. And uh, and finally, um, you know, I went through my life. You know, the, the tour ends, I never got any money, of course. I wasn't expecting any money. I didn't expect to get paid. Um, finally, I run into Ronnie Dio years later when Ronnie's out after he left Sabbath again, and he's out on a solo tour. And I walk into a... Uh, a room to meet him, and I just kind of walk up to him. I go, "Hey, Ronnie, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm Jimmy Bell." And he points at me, "Jimmy Bell, master of insanity." And I went, "You know?" He goes, "Yep." He goes, "I know you wrote the song." He goes, uh, "I told him," and then he then the guy was supposed to be doing something else. Ronnie was supposed to be doing something with this promotion thing. He ditched that. He brought me over to the side of the room and must have talked to me about a half hour to 40 minutes about this song and he's you know he was explaining he says i i told these people just to pay you he says i i have i said why you know what's the big deal just pay the guy and this and that so anyway the guy he took so much time with me and it was such a gentleman Anyway, so I go through my life telling people that I wrote this song, you know, and I'm an honest guy. People believe me, but, you know, and it came out in a lot of books. My name is mentioned in a lot of books about Black Sabbath. Um,
0: so, so you mentioned Speaking of books, have you ever thought of writing one?
1: Uh, I've got. Well, I've had people told me they're going to write a book about my life. They're actually uh, they want to do um Uh, uh, I don't know what you would call it, a a biography of my life because they find my life very interesting. Uh, I'd read that. uh, I guess, uh, you know, about the struggles, uh, you know, what I go through because I'm one of those guys that have come so close to doing something really massive for years. I mean, it, it could go back as far as, uh, you know, me being with, uh, you know, touring with Joan Jett. When we did the, the, we're in a, I'm in a movie with Joan Jett and Michael J. Fox, uh, the movie Light of Day. Yeah. I'm, I'm in, I'm in that, you know, we, we toured with Joan a little bit, Joint Forces did. And then when that, uh, we toured it with Joan. And then the, when the tour ended, the, that part came up for the movie. Next thing you know, Joint Forces got called to be, uh, to play the band, The Huns in the movie. So when you go and see the Huns on stage playing, that's all a joint forces. Uh, and I'm right next to Joan. You'll see me with my white leather jacket, my white left-handed guitar. And um, you know, we're, we're in that scene and Joan always treats me great. Matter of fact, I was just with Joan a couple uh a couple weeks back. Uh, they, they, they had passes for me. I went back every time Joan's around, she's she, You know, we got her and I got along so well. Even dur- during the tour, her and I were, you know, got along great. I was the only person that she actually has a photo with her that would that was able to take a photo with her. Her and I, uh, so it was one of these things. We just had a great connection. Her tour, her her manager Kenny Laguna, a great guy, always was kind to me. Uh, so, anyways, uh, getting back to the uh, uh, thing about uh, Ronnie. Later, a book came out that finally, that uh, that Ronnie Dio was interviewed for. And Ronnie Dio said it in the book that one of his favorite songs on the Dehumanizer record was Master of Insanity. That was written by uh, guitarist Jimmy Bell and the lyrics were by Geezer Butler because they were talking about lyrics because Ronnie wrote a lot of lyrics. Uh, he says, but w- with the exception of that one song. And he said he loved the song. He absolutely loved it, which was another thing that made me thrilled. Um, and, then finally, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then finally, yeah, and then finally, as as we were talking about prior, uh, Geezer Butler's book came out, and Geezer finally admits it in his book that him and I wrote the song. Yeah. So now, so now, and, and then he goes on. You'll have to get to that point, but the second time my name appears in Geezer's book, uh, talks about why it's difficult for uh, for Tony to take songs from another guitar player because, uh, you know, I play way different than Tony, so he had to learn those parts, that whole... If you listen to the song, Master of Insanity, you'll understand there's a little bit intricate guitar thing at the beginning. So it's one of those things. Yeah, my might my life would make a great book.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, like I said, I'd love to read it. Um, so... Uh... Speaking of uh, of you know you you mentioned a lot about writing music but you uh, writing uh, music but you don't write lyrics. I noticed on all the album credits you do backing vocals. Have you ever taken the lead vocal?
1: No, I'm not a lead vocal guy. Like with uh with no uh with autograph, um, I would uh, I always take the lower harmonies. I, I suppose if I took vocal lessons and really pursued my voice, I actually. Never really sang too much in a band until uh, when, when I was in House of Lords, um, I started to do some background vocals. But uh, from off of House of Lords, uh, the, the bass player, Chris McCarvel and B.J. Zampa, a drummer, we we had a band called Max Explosion that we put together that was in between House of Lords uh, tours. We wanted to do something. And Chris is a, was the lead singer of that. But that forced me. Into doing a lot of vocal training. So um, a lot of vocals. So I had to learn all the lower parts and uh because every song that Max Explosion had had three part harmony. So when the opportunity for autograph came up uh after Steve had quit, um uh I told Randy, because uh Randy uh, Rand Ran had, you know, contacted me and uh uh he had, he he knew about me. I knew all the guys anyway Uh, because of my friendship with Steve Lynch prior uh, to uh, and and um, and so um, it it just worked out when they they asked me if I could sing because they already liked the way I played guitar but me being able to sing backgrounds was a plus so every song that uh, Autograph does live every song has three-part harmony in it we don't and you know we don't we don't use tracks or anything a lot a lot of the people are amazed about our vocal harmonies some people think we're using tracks but we're not it's all live everything
0: yeah i've been going through those catalogs and there's some really good stuff in there um i wanted to go back to join forces yeah uh, so when i listen through that stuff um there's some really cool stuff on there um you know i wish i i wish i discovered that back in the day but i'm discovering it now so better late than never um I'm noticing um and correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm noticing um a a strong Van Halen influence in oh yeah the songs um especially the song nobody's Fool. um that song I listened to it and I'm like, is that Joint Forces or Van Halen
1: yeah, nobody's full uh you gotta understand something uh, you know i'm I'm a big i i uh I my influences I'm older. So my influences, you know, I'm 65 years old. My influences are from way back, you know, the early guys. When I, I started playing at 14 and uh, I was a drummer prior to being a, a guitar player, I, I had a drum scholarship. I played drums from the ages 10 to 13. I had a scholarship for drums at the Hartford Conservatory. And I was jamming with some guys here at my house. Uh, this, my, I actually took over my parents' house right over here in the uh, down here. My drum set was set up and the guys were in high school at the time. I was in junior high. Uh, they left and the guitar player left his guitar just out of the case leaning against the amp. So I said, oh, cool. So I turned on the amp, picked up his right handed guitar. I'm left handed, but I held it upside down and he had this old 70s big muff fuzz box. I turned that on and I hit the low string, the low E string and it went bam like that. And I started making noises. And I said, Oh my God, I love this. And I'm telling you right then and there, I dropped drums and I said, I have to be a guitar player. I dropped my scholarship. And from that point on late, late 13, early 14, I started playing guitar. So my early, my, one of my first guitar players I I fell in love with was Johnny winter. I was a huge Johnny winter fan. Uh, so I uh and I liked him because he, even though he was a blues guitarist, he he played a lot of ripping stuff. And then I discovered Richie Blackmore, and then that's where my love for deep purple came. And that, you know. And then finally, uh to get my speed picking stuff up, I discovered Al Di Meola, who was playing with Chick Korea and stuff. And he had this incredibly clean, precise picking technique. Um, so I kind of like took the style of, of Johnny Winter, Richie Blackmore, and Al Meola, and kind of crushed them into something and made my own. And then, of course, uh, later on, uh, I, I became a huge fan of Michael Shanker. You know, keep in mind, this was all way before Van Halen. I even heard Van Halen. But sure. when Van Halen came out in the late 70s and I heard Eruption, I knew exactly what Eddie was doing during that that part. And even though he, uh, people were going, what the hell is that? I knew it was tapping because I learned the trick by watching Rick Derringer play. Rick Derringer would pull a note. He'd go, uh, uh, and then hit, hit a note like that. In fact, the first one of the first recordings of that that I recall is Billy Gibbons doing it in Beer Drinkers and Hellraisers as a part in his solo. He goes, da 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 so um, he he does that. And so that's when that trick, uh, when I heard that. So I discovered, uh, you know, working with the two-handed thing. So when Eruption came out, I immediately was able to figure out once I heard the notes that that was going on. So, yeah, Nobody's Fool definitely has that. It's almost like the later Van Halen with Sammy Hagar, that song, uh, uh, Finish What You Started, you yep, know, that tune yep. that they did. Come yep. on, baby, finish what you, yep. uh, that bluesy type thing. Yeah, yeah, a lot of that. Shy and Love" is another song that's a very Van Halen influence. You know, that has that "Hot for Teacher" beat. You know,
0: notice that throughout uh, a lot of the stuff. Um, one song I wanted to ask you about too was a song, uh, "Phantom Love." Um, yeah, that's a really cool ballad. Um, kind of has a like a haunting sound to it. Um, I don't know if that was intentional or not. Um, uh, uh, a what color, sound? Like uh, Phantom Love.
1: Phantom Love. Yeah, who would you say it has a,
0: a sound like? Uh, it's, it has a haunting sound.
1: Oh, haunting! Yeah, yeah. it's a, it was supposed to be like that. Now, if you got the Joint Forces CD, you'll see another. There's another version of Phantom Love on there. Did you see that? There's a, there's a, there's two versions of it. Yes, you look on that. There's a there's uh a, a, a bonus. Yeah. Yep. There's a sec a second one. Now that for originally, Phantom Love was a mid-tempo ballad, uh, mid-tempo rock thing. It was like boom, bump, bump. So you'll listen to that, and that is uh, the first version of the song. When we went to do the uh, Joint Forces EP, the producer, uh, the producer uh, uh, was married to Lydia Chris. Lydia Chris was Peter Chris from Kiss, okay. his ex-wife. So they lived in Peter Chris's house, so that's where uh, we went and did uh, some stuff. Um, so yeah, uh, Phantom Love then became a ballad at that point.
0: Okay, yeah, I've so I've made it through most of that. I haven't heard the whole thing yet, and I'll have to go back and revisit it. Um, like I yeah, said, yeah, the catalog, words
1: are the same. The your, your catalog like, so is the,
0: massive. So what's that? I said your catalog is massive. So yeah, um, I haven't had a chance to check out everything yet. I'm slowly working through it. Um, you know, I like I said, I, I instantly became a Jimmy Bell fan. Um, and oh, then, you know, you. everything else has just been a fallout of that. Um, and unfortunately, Jimmy, we're running out of time here.
1: Um, I told you, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> so much um, to
1: talk. Call me, do another one when you want. Call me, uh, when yeah, you, when you want to do another show, just call me. We'll keep going. Yeah, I don't we, mind, Mike.
0: We we definitely will do that. Um, always enjoy talking to you. I uh, look forward to future conversations. Um, With that, uh, we're going to close out. Um, I am uh, Michael J. Rock. I am a Rock fan. Enough said. Thank you, Jimmy.
1: You got it.